The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. After the headlines, and let's get blunt, my guest today is West Hollywood's Mayor Pro Tem, Seppi Shine, so stay tuned. Let's go over some headlines. Russia's military said Saturday it had used hypersonic missiles in combat for the first time to destroy an ammunition depot in Ukraine's west. Meanwhile, Ukraine's president called for talks with Moscow to stop its invasion and restore territorial integrity and justice to Ukraine in a video message released late Friday. Florida's Parental Rights in Education Act, which critics dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill, has suddenly sparked a national war of words. Supporters of HB 1557 say it would give parents greater control over their children's education, vindicating their parental authority. Conversely, opponents say it would unfairly target the LGBTQ community, particularly gay and trans students, and is pretending to solve a problem that doesn't exist. The Biden administration has denounced the efforts as hateful. Florida governor, who said that he supports the bill, but he has not signed it yet. This wasn't like my legislation. Like I have certain big priorities that we did. This is something the legislature felt strong about. So I start getting asked about this by the by the media, um, and and I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay, they're getting spun up. I see the le- I see you know you know how this works, right? And I was like, there is no way it's true. And I didn't even look at the bill yet. I just knew it wasn't true. And so you actually look at the bill, and it says no sexual instruction in grades pre-k through three and so how many parents want their kindergartners to have transgenderism or something injected into classroom instruction and so i think those are very young kids um, i think uh the legislature is basically trying to give parents assurance that you know they're going to be able to go and this stuff's not going to be there but there's nothing in the bill that says anything about you can't say or this say. It's basically saying for our youngest students, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six years and seven, do you really want them to be being taught about sexual, and this is any sexual stuff, but I think clearly right now we see a lot of focus on the transgenderism, telling kids that they may be able to pick genders and all that. I don't think parents want that um, for these young kids, and so I think that's what they were trying to do. Now, and, and and I think that's justifiable. I think it's inappropriate to be injecting those matters like a transgenderism into a kindergarten classroom. Now, there is a Louisiana version of the Don't Say Gay Bill, A North Louisiana lawmaker has filed a bill that would ban discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity for students from kindergarten through eighth grade. The measure, House Bill 837, was submitted by State Representative Dodie Horton. I started to uh, pray about how how we could protect our children here from uh, inappropriate conversations until uh, they are able to dissect it. and old enough to understand it. 
They just don't want to take a chance of their children being influenced in a manner that that is not conducive to their lifestyle or to their personal beliefs. It just uh, solidified the need for us to protect our Louisiana children as well. I talked to my pastor and uh, he challenged me, you know, uh, that and, and said we definitely need to do this. In Pennsylvania's shadow Republican primary to score a Donald Trump endorsement, celebrity doctor Mehmet Oz, a Turkish-American who is an Armenian genocide denier, has the support of the ultimate insider, former First Lady Melania Trump, according to sources familiar with her views on the race. While Melania Trump is perhaps Oz's most influential backer in the primary, he can boast of a second, Fox personality Sean Hannity, who recently endorsed Oz on his radio show and has often featured him on both his radio and TV shows, giving him valuable free media exposure. Los Angeles Unified School District students and staff will be able to remove their masks indoors with the district announcing Friday it has reached agreements with its labor unions to lift the face covering requirements. The district announced it will now only strongly recommend masks indoors. The new policy will begin no later than Wednesday, March 23rd, officials said in a news release. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. Today's Let's Get Blunt is along the same lines as about two weeks ago, and I wish I didn't have to repeat myself, but it's very important, and I feel like I need to really talk about it again because it's... Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think, one of the most important things happening in the world today. Uh, let me just start by saying that, as I think most of the world, I am appalled by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and what people of Ukraine are subjected to, the violence uh, against them, the destruction of their, their nation, their culture, their, you know, buildings and institutions and cities and villages. It's just abhorrent that this is allowed to happen and Putin's wrath um, which we've known about, you know, came to its climax. And I have to say, I, I didn't think it was going to be this bad, but it's just horrific. And I feel for the people of Ukraine, uh, one of my closest friends is Ukrainian, and uh, some of her family is in Ukraine. So, uh, I, you know, I hear about it all the time. Of course, I read about it. But so what am I talking about here? Watching the world's reaction, including many nations, bodies such as the European Union, United Nations, Council of Europe, uh, NATO, CSTO, OSCE, etc. Uh, it's been very refreshing to see that they swiftly uh, moved to do something proactively to try to stop Putin and try to uh, help the people of Ukraine with sanctions, with military, and, and so on and so forth. But honestly, it has opened a wound, actually a wound that was never really closed because it's been, it's very fresh in me and in a lot of Armenians to whom this happened a year and a half ago, something very similar when in 2020, nations of Azerbaijan and Turkey orchestrated a genocidal assault and ethnic cleansing on the independent republic of Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, and massacred over 5,000 Armenians, mostly between 18 to 21 years old, 
and occupied about 80% of Artsakh. Now, Artsakh, Armenia, Ukraine, they're all former Soviet republics, and they're not that far apart. The difference here is this. When this was happening in 2020, starting on September 27th, largely the international community was completely silent, inactive. In fact, the silence was deafening. United Nations barely made any statements. And same with European Union, Council of Europe, uh, OSCE, which is the Organization for Security and Corporation in Europe, and CSTO. Uh, and of course, Donald Trump was president then, so he couldn't care less. Uh, in fact, you know, he has, uh, you know, he has towers in Turkey and building one in uh, Azerbaijan. So there was a, so much conflict of interest. Uh, he probably gave them a green light, as far as I'm concerned. So what happened was Armenians, once again, just over a century after the Armenian genocide, found themselves very alone and isolated with the international community just being indifferent and turning a, black, uh, a blind eye to their suffering. And, of course, there are many other factors that attributed to that. Um, and what they are is this. Azerbaijan is uh, providing many, you know, most of Europe and uh, other nations, some in the Middle East and North America, including the U.S., with, with a lot of natural gas and oil from the Caspian Sea. Uh, and then in the meantime, they're buying uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. In fact, last year, there was a deal of $2 billion of weapons that they purchased so it's a very cozy relationship, um, all about oil and gas, the usual, it all boils down to that, self-interest, and the, the weapons, the military-industrial complex. Turkey is, of course, a, a member of NATO. I don't know why. And yet NATO allowed Turkey to really orchestrate this entire genocidal assault, help Azerbaijan, brought mercenaries from Syria, Libya, and Pakistan, as well as all the ISIS that it uh, shelters in Turkey. You know, Turkey is like the epicenter of ISIS and gray wolves and all types of uh, jihadist mercenaries. And all of this was done by a NATO member, Turkey, or Turkey, as they like to call themselves now. And they used the most sophisticated weapons, targeted civilians, maternity hospitals, schools, residential neighborhoods, churches. And for the most part, nothing was done about it. In fact, not much was even said about it because they didn't want to offend Turkey and Azerbaijan. France was the only nation that really stood up and condemned them. And so there's such a huge contrast between the way this was handled, the way Armenians were ignored, and the way the world is reacting to Ukraine. And again, don't get me wrong, I think the way that the world is handling Ukraine is the right way to go, obviously. But I'm just talking about the hypocrisy and the double standard. Armenia doesn't have a lot of natural resources. Armenia is a tiny nation of 2.9 million, unlike Ukraine, which is a much larger nation. It's a little bit more 
on the west side of Europe, and it has a lot of natural resources. So these were all elements. And also the, the antagonist here, the big bad wolf, is Russia, uh, which has been a long time a foe, if you will, of the United States and, and the Western world. And so the, the dynamics were different. But let's put all that aside. You know, I have watched in the last couple of months all these politicians and policymakers and heads of organizations and head of NATO and head of European Union and UN and Council of Europe and all these people make these fantastical speeches about human rights and freedom and self-determination and uh, democracy. Guess what? That's exactly what Armenians of Artsakh want. They have lived in Artsakh for millennia. And all they want is their self-determination, their freedom, their human rights. So why are they deprived of that? So why weren't you on your soapbox saying this when Armenians were going through? Why wasn't this covered in the media 24-7? And why was the media doing toxic both-sidedism and false balance when this was happening in 2020? When maternity hospitals were being bombed, when Azerbaijan had sent jihadist mercenaries that they had hired for $2,000 a month and also were being given $100 bonuses for every Armenian beheaded alive. I have seen dozens of videos that these mercenaries have done. They would cut the throat of an Armenian with a knife as their comrades are laughing and had drinking, and they would post them on social media. And even worse, sometimes they would make the video and text it to the families of the soldier that they had just beheaded. So why was the world quiet about this? So it just comes down to this. It comes down to selective fight for human rights. In, in, our, in other words, you have to have the perfect package. You have to have the natural resources be a larger nation, uh, be part of Central or Western Europe, and some have said it's because Armenia is not white enough, for you to get help, for you to count, and for you to have allies, it's hypocritical. And guess what? As a progressive, as a progressive Democrat who supported and campaigned for President Biden, I'm appalled by his administration too. I'm disappointed. We haven't heard a peep from President Biden about this. We have heard some toxic, nonsensical, pardon my language, from Secretary Blinken, who does nothing. What he does, all of his both-sidedism, emboldens Aliyev, dictator Aliyev, and dictator Erdogan to do more of what they're doing. When Secretary Blinken doesn't have the moral fiber or the leadership to condemn their human rights violations, their war crimes, and most importantly, their crimes against humanity. So I'm going to be blunt about my own party too, although more and more I have a hard time saying I'm a Democrat because I'm really disgusted by so many Democrats 
and so-called liberals and so-called progressives who too have been absent. Guess what? The United States has 1.3 million Armenian Americans and we've been here since the earliest we can, uh, we, on paper, we can prove that Armenians landed in, in what is now called America was 1618, Martin the Armenian in the Virginia colony. So we are part of this nation, but some of us still have families that have gone through this. From 150,000 population of Artsakh, 100,000 became refugees. That's two-thirds of a state. So where were our leaders? Where were our politicians and friends calling for human rights and freedom and the right to self-determination instead of playing petropolitics? And was, where was NATO? Where was NATO? Why was NATO allowing Turkey to do this? So yes, obviously I'm not a fan of NATO. And this still happens. Of course, I have to mention we've had, we've had multiple members of Congress who have been great on calling out and saying, you know, calling the spade a spade. But a dozen or more members of Congress don't have the same impact that the president and vice president and secretary of state would have done, at least now. But we are grateful to people like Senator Bob Menendez, Congressman Adam Schiff, Congressman Frank Pallone, Congressman Brad Sherman, Congresswoman Jackie Speer, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, Congresswoman Grace Napolitano, um, Congressman Tardy Cardenas, and such, and, and several more. But I am appalled. I am appalled by our so-called leadership. I'm appalled by the world's double standard and hypocrisy. And yes, I am an Armenian American, and it does touch me, and it is personal. Because unlike most people, I see this every day. Right now, as I am talking to you, Azerbaijan is constantly harassing and killing Armenians in Artsakh to intimidate them to finally leave all of Artsakh, even lose the 20% that they have so they can completely ethnically cleanse Artsakh from Armenians who've lived there for millennia. So yes, I will be blunt about it. I don't care who it is, Republican, Democrat, liberal, uh, Armenian, non-Armenian, gay, straight, doesn't matter. We have to call out anyone who's a hypocrite because it makes me sick and I get nauseous when I'm watching the news and I see some uh, politician or someone running for office or some head of organization says these beautiful, fantastical written speeches with the perfect sound bites declaring their support for human rights and self-determination and freedom and this and that. Garbage. Because if those things don't apply to all human beings and everyone around the world, then you are a fake. So let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. The Blunt Post with Vic. Mayor Pro Tem Seppi Shine made history in November 2020 when she was elected to the West Hollywood City Council. She became the first out LGBTQ Iranian elected anywhere globally and locally became the first woman of color elected to West Hollywood City Council. Her election also ushered in West Hollywood's first female majority city council. 
Mayor Pro Tem Shrine's priorities include advocating for affordable housing, protecting renters and social service programs, social justice, small business revival, and bringing the people's voices to City Hall. Mayor Pro Tem Shrine is an attorney, a lifelong activist, serves on dozens of boards and committees, and is a delegate to the California State Democratic Party. Good morning, Mayor Pro Tem. Uh, Shine, how are you this morning? Good morning, Vic. I am great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's good to have you, as always, to get us uh, updates from the creative city, West Hollywood, and beyond. Yes. What You are now Mayor Pro Tem, which for those who don't know what that means, it's uh, it means that uh, um, she will be... Or, or, <laughs> Uh, mayor Pratam Shine will be the next mayor of West Hollywood. Of course, there's a there's a step of formality that it, they go through, but essentially in January she'll be uh, the next mayor of uh, West Hollywood, which has a population of thirty three thousand. Am I correct? It's around thirty six thousand, um, and and you're we're close. You know, it's going to shift, and we'll get our new numbers soon, but. Uh, and mayor pro tem essentially it's it's a fancy way of saying vice mayor correct correct so before i ask you any um specific questions about things that are coming up uh sort of give us the sort of an overview of what is happening in west hollywood in this what you know <laughs> hopefully is a transitional period now coming out of covid and the toll that it took on on everyone, uh, cities and businesses and such. Um, what are some of the highlights, if you will, of, of what's been happening? Sure. Um, some of the highlights. Well, I'll give you a, a few highlights of the past year since I've been in office. Uh, just real quick, we raised the minimum wage to the highest in the country, and it's going to be uh, slowly phased in to allow businesses uh, some cushion time. Um, we also... Uh, I'm clapping, I by got... the way. Sorry. Yes. I just have to do it. It's like <laughs> so incredible. It is. And, um, I brought forth an item with Councilman Barrickson to uh, ban plastics in uh, foodware, single-use plastics in foodware. Mm -hmm. So we have, uh, I think, the city with the highest... A percentage of hospitality so uh, our footprint because of that uh, was was even though we're a small 1.9 square mile city our footprint was pretty large so um, that passed as well and again we're phasing that in so I'm very excited about that to help our climate we've helped uh, people uh, with wages and workers um, and we we just finished um, installing the new progress flag um, in place of the rainbow flag at the crosswalks on San Vicente yeah. and Santa Monica. Uh, it's really, we're calling it, the, we're calling it the inclusive pride flag because mm -hmm. it isn't really the progress flag. We changed it. We kind of created our own <laughs> type of progress flag because uh, we added the uh, trans flag and the black and brown stripes on both sides to make it uh, more uniform instead of right. having it just on one side. So that's that. We are uh, coming out of COVID. We're actually going to be having a city council meeting Monday 
and discussing all of our emergency orders and what we want to keep and what we want to um, lift. Uh, another very exciting thing is, we, uh, and I've been working on the Pride subcommittee um, mm -hmm. for over a year with uh, Council Member D'Amico, we uh, put out an RFP last year to get submittals from uh, Pride producers and we awarded JJLA, Jeff Consolati with JJLA, the contract to produce Pride for us. So we are going to have our own WeHo Pride, uh, branded right. WeHo Pride in our city. It's gonna be the first weekend of June. And I'm very, very excited about this. Uh, we also gave a grant to the L Project um, and they're going to produce the Women's Freedom Festival. Um, we There's going to be the Out Loud concert Friday, Saturday, Sunday in West Hollywood Park. And San Vicente is going to be closed off for affinity groups and booths. And this is the, the San Vicente part is open, so it's not ticketed. So it's going to be a free Pride Festival. Um, and we really wanted it to be very inclusive this year. So... We have um, we're me, offering grants. Let yeah. me interrupt you, if I if I may, sure. um, for sure. those that are listening that don't sort sort of know the history. Um, so, what's been called LA Pride that had been happening since 1970 uh, was produced by by this organization, and so the organization chose not to be part of the West Hollywood. Pride. So this year, City of West Hollywood um, initiated, they're having the inaugural Pride in West Hollywood, which will be the first weekend of June rather than the second weekend of June with its own uh, parade and festival and everything else that goes with it. Um, so this is, a, this is a big sort of a, a milestone for the city itself. Um, of course, you know, again, for those listening, you know, L.A., there's this perception out there that New York um, was where the the modern LGBTQ movement started at the Stonewall Inn, um, but the fact is that it actually has started in LA about two years before that in 1967 at the Black Cat Tavern in Silver Lake, which is still in existence. And so LA has been a trailblazer in uh, queer movement, just like City of West Hollywood is a trailblazer in so many different um, uh, so many different things and uh, being at the cutting edge of progressive movement when it comes to from uh, labor unions uh, to um, environmental protection, uh, animal rights, human rights and such. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, Mayor Pratam was talking about uh, the the sort of scheduled events and, and things that are happening and uh, you know, making sure that it's an inclusive uh, event. So, and then I will leave you with this question. Tell us what the L Project is. The L Project is a um, nonprofit uh, dedicated to uh, creating community for lesbians and um, queer women and being inclusive of BIPOC queer women mm -hmm. and non-binary folks. And um, they, they, we, we gave them a, we sponsored the Women's Freedom Festival last year, but you know, everything was kind of half open, half closed at the time. And this year they actually um, applied uh, through our RFP process 
and having uh, queer women uh, very much centered and part of pride um, has been very important uh, to me as a lesbian woman, um, but also to uh, the entire community uh, because uh, queer women have really felt left out in West Hollywood in the past. Um, and we're doing a lot of things to shift that. I also actually um, brought forward an item that passed the council where we are going to have um, lesbian and queer women's visibility week. And that's going to be April 24th to May 2nd. And we're going to fly the um, inclusive lesbian flag all across the city. There's going to be a field day at uh, one of the parks, uh, probably Plummer Park and maybe WeHo Park, um, and some events happening and activations happening around uh, Queer Women's Week. So I'm very excited about that as well. But nice. Pride itself, um, we it is the inaugural WeHo Pride. It's a big step for our city. Um, we are also producing our own WeHo Pride Parade, uh, and it's going to kick off Pride Month for all of LA County. Actually, WeHo Pride is going to do that, and um, I really encourage folks to come out. A lot of people, you know, I hear still have this uh, impression from the past uh, that WeHo is not really inclusive, but we're doing a lot to change that. Um, and one of the programs we're offering, we're offering $150,000 uh, to be split between affinity groups who can apply to participate during Pride Weekend. Um, basically, if you have an event and you wanna apply. So uh, we, we specifically called out wanting uh, trans, the trans community um, to to have a presence in our city during We Hope Pride, the women's community, the BIPOC community, the Black Black Pride, uh, bisexual Pride. So we really opened it up. So the sober community as well has always had a sizzle. Yes. And um, this could potentially, if the trajectory that we're going in, which is that COVID is now an endemic and we're gonna open everything up, sizzle will finally be, <laughs> the first time, the first in-person sober event since COVID, because we we did um, we did host a virtual, we co-sponsored a virtual uh, boom. Um, For new years. But yeah, well, last year. And yeah. um, we've, you know, it'll be really, really nice. That's great. And, you know, I have to say as a, as a sober person uh, who's gone to boom and, and, Sizzle. Sizzle is, um, by the way, every year during Pride, it's a big, uh, it's it's sort of like the sober um, part of the Pride Festival. And um, Pride has always provided a section uh, for the sober community. It's a safe section. Um, and then boom is a, a big New Year's Eve uh, party. You know, it's alcohol free. You don't have to be sober to go, but there's no alcohol. So the city has really done a good job of of making sure that all different groups and people are included and uh, i think the rest of us have to step up too and meet the city yeah. halfway um and uh, you know this is a really exciting thing that west hollywood has its own pride now it's a it's a big deal
This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with West Hollywood's Mayor Pro Tem, Seppi Shine. So if, let's say there's someone listening and they've, maybe they've gone to Pride before, but they haven't, uh, uh, they, you know, now they want to participate either as a vendor or sponsor it or, you know, whatnot. Mm-hmm. It could be a representative from, from a big corporation listening what do they do? Who do they go to? Well, if they want to be a sponsor, they would contact JJLA. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a whole sponsorship team. And I, I will also say I'm very proud because uh, in one of our first meetings for the Pride subcommittee, I really wanted us to get some sponsorship money back to the city, mm-hmm. which is something that's not happened before with the prior Pride producer. Um, and uh, JJLA, uh, the city has a, an agreement with JJLA that a very uh, prominent percentage of the sponsorships uh, that are all new are going to go back to the city to cut our public safety costs because we spend a lot of money um, on public safety and some other costs. Back so in I'm the very excited about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how it's it should go back be. In the community. That's yes. how it should be. And, um, so they can contact JJLA, uh, Jeff Consoletti. They can contact West Hollywood, um, Cleo um, or Megan. Uh, so Cleo Smith at WeHo. C Smith at WeHo.org um, or Megan Reith at the city. Uh, if they want to have events or learn more or be connected to Jeff, uh, anyone can also contact me, and I'm happy to. Uh, forward uh, inform, forward the email to the appropriate channels right. and my email is shine with a y at wehill.org and if people want to have events other than sponsorships or if they want to have a float in the parade same thing but if they want to have uh, they're an affinity group and they want to um, submit an application for uh, getting a grant to have an event during the pride weekend we hope pride weekend the application is open until March 31st of okay. this month, and then it closes. And your website is sepishine.com, correct? That's my website, but the right. city is where the, uh, folks should go to, which is weho.org. Okay. And all my information is on, on there on weho.org. As and well. there's a link, I'm assuming, to the Pride page? Yes, there's a link okay. to the Pride page, a link to everything. Do you um, yet know the some of the... Par- some of the you know more specific schedules like is there going to be a dyke march uh maybe a purple party so what i what i do know is um right now that so dyke march used to be produced by csw with csw mm-hmm. and the women and then it it was always in weho park and then they were uh they wanted to do a friday night concert there so the women so the lesbians got pushed out and the city took over Dyke March's um, production mm-hmm. in, in collaboration with the Lesbian Gay Advisory Board, uh, Dyke March Subcommittee. But it was placed in San Gorilla, Sal Gorilla Memorial Park, mm-hmm. um, which is a tiny, tiny park on Holloway in Santa Monica. And I, since I've gotten on council, I kept saying, very smart, kept saying, this is ridiculous. We need to either move to Plummer Park or, or figure out a way to go back to West Hollywood Park. And, um, there's discussions right now to, um, 
collaborate with the Women's Freedom Festival and the Women's Freedom Festival has applied to have their event in uh, West Hollywood Park, uh, uh, not in the park itself, but on the San Vicente where the Pride Mm -hmm. Festival is Friday night. So I'm hoping that through this collaboration, everyone will work together and uh, queer women will be back uh, center stage on Friday. Um, So I, I know that there's also a that, so the Out Loud concert is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Parade is um, on Sunday with a 12 p.m. kickoff instead of 11 a.m. kickoff. Okay. Uh, and those are all the those are all the things I know at this point, and there's still planning happening. Fantastic. Um, that's it's it's. I think by June will be further away from COVID, hopefully, you know, hopefully there won't be another uh, relapse, if you will. Um, And so that, uh, you know, it's been a couple of years that, uh, well, obviously not just Pride, but so many other big events have been interrupted and gone, uh, you know, gone sort of online, which is not the same thing. There's such power in being in West Hollywood during Pride that the the energy and being in a parade um, you can't duplicate that on Zoom. <laughs> no way, not at all. <laughs> That's why last year um, when we had We Hope, we actually had a West Hollywood Pride last year, but it but it wasn't produced like so. This is now our inaugural in person Pride. We just um, we just worked with the chamber and they came up with some stickers and handed them out to businesses and people just came. We picked the a weekend at the end of June. And people just came to the city and we happened to have been open instead of an, any kind of lockdown at the time. Yeah. Um, and our bars were, were filled, but we didn't do anything else. It wasn't anything that was produced in any way by the city. And it was great. And I, and I said it too, because you know, the chamber and JJLA at the time wanted, uh, proposed a, a, a uh, virtual program, in-person program. They wanted to do all of this uh, activations. But at the time, I, and we as a council felt that it was too soon and we, we didn't want to invest all this money in something that might potentially be a loss. Right. Uh, but this year where we are now is in such a different place with uh, such a high vaccination rate. West Hollywood's vaccination rate is close to 89% right now. Wow. And I know that LA County is also... Uh, not as high as us, but but pretty high. And uh, from what we've been told, we're really entering endemic status, which means this COVID is going to be part of our life every year. There's going to be vaccines. Um, some people will get it, but with the high amount of vaccines, the, the new variants shouldn't be as... Uh, bad as omicron i think omicron really got most most people uh infected mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, so now it kind of pushed us towards an endemic status awesome so again it's the first weekend of june yes and uh, the dates since i don't have a calendar in front of me june 3rd to the 5th 3rd 3rd to 5th okay fantastic yes. What else? Is there anything else we haven't talked about that's coming up uh, in just West Hollywood, your agenda? Um, yeah. Um, another thing I've been really excited about, uh, because homelessness is top of mind for um, 
our residents, community, everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and we are, uh, I brought forward an item with, again, Council Member Erickson uh, last year for us to uh, develop these um, uh, behavioral health crisis response units. So mm -hmm. essentially they are mobile units that have um, experts that are not law enforcement. Uh, so mm -hmm. a, clin a licensed clinician, an EMT, a nurse that would get called out to deal with um, any calls regarding homelessness, except for violent um, calls. If there's sure. anything violent, then the sheriffs would still need to to go out but sure. um and it's not just for homelessness people with mental illness um wellness checks uh people that may uh be calling in because they might uh, be threatening to commit suicide right. uh, any kind of domestic some domestic non-violent domestic disputes and this uh unit is going to get ramped up eventually to be 24 7. wow and uh it is really something that the sheriffs don't want to deal with. They, they, they've told us ourselves themselves, we don't want to deal with homelessness because they're, mm -hmm. they're not experts in it. They're, they're not yeah. really effective in dealing with it. Um, and so this is very exciting for West Hollywood. Yeah. Um, as we, you know, we all talked in 2020 about um, reimagining policing and coming up with alternatives well, we're a city now that we're doing that right? and creating alternatives to law enforcement so that our law enforcement can actually do what they're supposed to do, which mm -hmm. is to um, look and prevent crime and fight crime and solve crimes. And people so. who, who don't or should not be in jail, um, perhaps they have mental problem, they had a breakdown, whatnot. Yeah. you know, can get the help that they need without, uh, you know, the consequences of being arrested just because exactly. law enforcement didn't know what else to do with them. So yeah. um, this is just another example of quality of life that, that West Hollywood is known for, sort of being at the cutting edge. Um, yeah, so that's great. It's another um, big deal for the city, yeah. uh, you know, trailblazer. Before I forget, I have to say, um, happy Noruz. Happy uh, Noruz to you too. Yeah, it's yeah. came quick. It did. It, it it flew by quickly. I'm so excited about Persian New Year. Mm -hmm. I um, the city is lighting up City Hall and the um, colors of the Iranian flag from the 20th to the 29th, and they've come up with a digital uh, signage. It says it's a really cute graphic that says Happy Noruz. And it's going to be showing wow. at a lot of our bus stops, uh, some billboards, um, on social media. Um, we could all, even though okay, so Noruz is from the spring equinox when right. it strikes spring equinox, which is here, I believe, is at eight twenty-two a.m. on Sunday morning, and it goes for thirteen days. Right. Um, so really, we were we should have gone longer, but there's something more important that we have to. Uh, recognize, which is our transgender uh, day of visibility. Right. So um, we, uh, so we're, we're, this is cooperation, yeah. inclusivity and cooperation together. And so um, it's, it's, a, a it's still a time. big step, right? It's a still, well, I mean, first of all, 
what took so long. I just have to say it. <laughs> But I'm glad that it's finally happened because, uh, you know, uh, Southern California has a huge Persian uh, community. Largest in in America. Yeah. And, you know, not just Southern California. Most of it is concentrated in uh, L.A. proper, you know, from the Mm -hmm. beach, from Santa Monica, all the way to Hollywood, to the Valley, Tarzana, Woodland Hills, uh, you know, all through Westwood, Brentwood, all of that. Um, and West Hollywood, obviously. So, um, you know, that's great. And it's such a great homage to the mayor pro tem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. I'm very excited. And on mon- on uh, Monday night is our city council meeting. On Tuesday, I'm flying to Sacramento. I was invited by uh, Melahat Rafi, who is the uh, first Iranian, actually she's the highest ranking Iranian in the California Democratic party because Mm -hmm. she was just elected as secretary of the California Democratic State Party. Mm -hmm. And she is, we're going to be having a Nowruz celebration live uh, at the state capitol. And um, so I'll be there with some other electeds and uh, Fashid Amin, who's a musical artist, is going to be there as well. And some delegates that are Iranian-American. And an assembly member. So it'll be an exciting time. Um, I'll be going in the morning and coming back in the evening. But Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let me talk about jet lag. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's great. Well, um, is there anything else that we've missed? Anything you want to uh, add or uh, maybe a call to action? Well, um, I think right now uh, the calls to action. Oh, oh, something really important, actually, um, is uh, the city is going back to, we're going to have our fingers crossed, last Zoom meeting, uh, and it's going to be Monday at 6 p.m. You mean today, tonight? Uh, it's it's on, yes, it's on Monday, our city yeah. council meeting. Yeah. And yes, tonight. Um, and then after uh after this, after this evening, we're hoping to go back in person mm-hmm. to city council finally in April. So that, just keep an eye out for those that want to come and attend and uh, make public comments, etc. Yeah. Um, a call to action, I would say uh, we have a page dedicated to uh, standing with Ukraine on weho.org as well as organizations that people can help and contribute to because uh, this is really a crisis that is still ongoing. So Absolutely. Um, if anybody wants to help, you can go to weho.org and put in Ukraine and the page will pop up. Fantastic. Well, weho.org for, for supporting Ukraine, for finding about the council meetings, as well as Pride and, and everything else. And if you want to contact uh, Mayor Pro Tem Shine, Uh, You can do that through that as well. And uh, yeah, thank you, uh, uh, Mayor Pro Tem. Good talking to you again. Hope to talk to you soon. Um, Have fun in Sacramento and uh, happy Noruz again. Thank you. Happy Noruz to you and all your listeners who celebrate as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was West Hollywood's Mayor Pro Tem, Seppi Shine, who is truly an exceptional person. In her first year plus, she has truly exceeded expectations and fulfilled 
her promises and more. Uh, and I should mention that uh, she sponsored a motion uh, to have the city of West Hollywood recognize uh, the independent Republic of Artsakh, um, for which I'm very grateful, uh, and was co-sponsored by uh, council member uh, Lindsay Horvath, who is now running for LA County Board of Supervisors. Uh, so it's always a pleasure uh, to speak with uh, Mayor Pro Tem Shine. Uh, thank you, and uh, we will hopefully chat again soon. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible, and KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. for another episode. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.